Uh, morning, everyone. It's very nice to see you all. Um, it's quite poignant, isn't it? Um, I think this day, when we think about times of uncertainty, imagine how it would have been um, in those periods of time. I saw a photograph um, recently on the Plymouth Herald website, and um, it was forwarded to me. Um, and it was a picture of my grandmother's house bombed out. Um, and she's still alive. She's 100 in a couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, we think about uncertainty at the moment. Um, people have lived through, haven't they, um, much more uncertainty perhaps than we face at the moment. However, um, if, like me, you've been glued to things happening across the pond over the last few days, um, un uh, uncertainty is certainly something we have come accustomed to, isn't it? So uh, let me share with you uh, my screen um, and we will walk our way through uh, Daniel, let's hope I can get that right. I'm assuming I'm going to get some nods and things if you can see. Excellent. That's what I wanted to know. So uh, let's hide the fact that that's the last slide um, and start with this one. Um, okay. Uh, Hannah, the uh, wow-ness moments are everywhere around you if you look for them. Nature provides us with a window into God's kindness and God's grace and his mercy and his beautiful uh, heart. So um, we are coming to dandelions later on, but um, I just love this image. Dandelions have become something quite poignant for me uh, to do with hope over the last few weeks and months so i will share that with you later on however um this was the image that i thought of when uh living in uncertain times it's almost like there's a, a road sign ahead and it's completely uh unbelievable um we don't know what's coming our way it seems that any direction may be turning next um covid is essentially the tip of an uncertain iceberg if you want to think about brexit um, if in my world you want to consider climate change and the environmental catastrophes that we're facing every day, it seems that we are being presented with uncertainty. Um, and I think it's really so poignant and so apt that this is a topic that we're going to be looking at because we've talked about our lives being questionable. We've talked about what our place is amongst others. Well, here we are rooted in this time. Um, Esther was told, for such a time as this, you've been raised. So we're here at this uncertain time for a reason. I mean, I think that's a really important place for us to start. So let's read um, Daniel chapter one, because that's what we're looking at. Um, so I'm gonna read it through. I've got it on the screen for you if you haven't got a Bible in your hand. And it goes like this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years 
and after that were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. It's a pretty familiar story to us, isn't it, Daniel? Um, we love it. We grow up with it. We hear the stories that will come later in this series. But I think it's important for us, isn't it, to reflect on the period of time that Daniel was growing up in. Um, we have the stories of the Babylonians raising Jerusalem, the uh, pictures in the prophets of the awful periods of time of the siege. It was uncertainty. They grown up with Jerusalem being a an important city that the, the the Israelites were blessed of God. They were God's children. Everything seemed to be right for them. It was unbelievable that this was happening. And um, I like this second picture uh, on the right of the screen here. This is um, a reflection on Psalm 137 by the rivers of Babylon. There we wept. Um, when we remembered Zion, there was mourning, there was disappointment, there was heartache. This was a time that, that maybe shouldn't have happened to them in their minds. And in this period of time, this story of Daniel and his friends appear. And, and who are they? Okay, let's, let's just look at this because I think this is really important. They were described in the scripture as being from the royal family or nobility. They were some quite special people, but they were young. Some have said they may have been as young as 13, 14, 15, that sort of age. Um, and they were taken from their homeland, from what they'd grown up and understood, to this strange world. Everything was uncertain, everything was unknown. It also tells us 
um, that that tells us their names. Daniel, God is my judge. Hananiah, God is gracious. Mishael, who is what God is. And Azariah, Yahweh has helped. These young men had families who had named them according to what they believed. Every time they said each other's names, they were reminded that God was with them, that God was gracious, that God has helped them. And who else is like God? That was who they were. Their identity was wrapped up in God. And they had clearly grown up in the understanding of that. And I think that's so, so important for us to understand. But they get to Babylon. They're in uncertain times. Everything that they think they have known has been stripped away. Everything that they have founded their lives on is gone. And this is what happens. First off, they're to be taught the language and the literature and the culture. A foreign culture is being pressed upon them. Isn't that? That's quite interesting. Something that is not from their culture or their experience is now being pushed upon them, uh, even though they're not being asked to. Secondly, they get new names. Belteshazzar, may Bel protect you. Shadrach and Meshach, both names referring to the god Marduk from the Babylonians. And Abednego, the servant of Nebo. So now when people speak their names, they've had the connection to God, their identity to God removed from them. And thirdly, they are offered food and wine. They're offered delicacies that they've never known before, things that were on offer to them and all of their friends around them are taking them. The temptation to join in and be blessed and indulge in this, which probably went against the teachings of their families. They are being cut off from their heritage. And though they accept the teaching, because in a way there's, there's nothing wrong with learning, and even though they accept the names in this instance, suddenly something balks against them and they refuse to take the gifts of the food. Now, this is a questionable choice, given the circumstances. You've come from your hometown. Nobody's watching you anymore. Your parents aren't there. Everybody else is doing it. But no, I will not go against that which is rooted in me. That which I know is true, that which I know is real, I won't do it. And immediately God is moving. He's given them compassion in the eyes of the people who are watching over them. God is there. In the midst of it all, he is opening the way. Just like in the story of Joseph, given favour as he went, even in trying circumstances, God is going ahead and making things happen. So was it a questionable choice? Clearly not. These two, these four, sorry, are healthier and better nourished. Remember, they started off handsome in the first place. So imagine what this looks like. They are better, healthier, well-nourished. And more than that, God, okay, studying a foreign culture and other things, God has given them knowledge, understanding, wisdom, vision. Ten times, it says, ten times better than any of the magicians that were in the courts of um, Nebuchadnezzar. So the questionable choice, it's brilliant when you think about it. What did the servant, what did this guy who was worried about losing his head 
What did he think when he saw these boys standing up for what they believed in, living out that questionable decision, being healthier, and then turning into his best students? This is the power of God moving in the life of someone who decides against the odds to follow what they know is in God's law, in his God's keeping. Okay, so what an amazing story we have here of teenagers who become the most powerful after three years. So they're only in their late teens when it comes around to it. They have become some of the most powerful influencers in the kingdom of Babylon and they are devoted to God. And Daniel goes on for 60 years plus. I mean, I'm, you know, I won't talk too much about the lion's den or things like that. That's someone else's story. But he was old when that happened. So I'd like to share with you then um, some hope because uh, I've been reading Lamentations recently, which is clearly the place you first call in to find out something joyful and hopeful. But look at this found in Lamentations 3. Let's look at this. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. This is written in the midst of exile. This is written when everything that you're connected to is stripped away from you. And yet, I would like to pick out two things from in here and then go on to say how we can fight what we see around us in this time of uncertainty. One, I call it to mind. It isn't someone else telling you, it's yourself, it's oneself. They are saying to themselves, I'm going to remember this purposefully. I am going to think myself up. Okay, the Lord is good. And then they think on these things. Second, they say again, they're speaking out. So they're, they're thinking in their mind, but they're saying it out loud. So not only are they thinking, yeah, you know, God's pretty good. Actually, they're saying it over and over to themselves. And in this situation, they see hope because they know that God has not abandoned them. And I think if they can take this sort of attitude in exile, then I think we might have something to learn from it. So last time I spoke to you, I talked about the fire triangle. Well, today I'd like to bring you a new triangle, which it, it kind of comes out of some well-being um, learning and psychology, but I think it's really valid for us to think about. So the three parts of my triangle today our thoughts, words, and actions. Okay, so let's um, think about it like this. If we think positive thoughts and we speak them out, we tend to do things that are positive. If we act positively, it tends to have an effect on the way we think and what we say. So what we find is in our lives, they interact completely. So if I say to myself, actually, I am a child of God, I am a child of God. Therefore, 
I'm thinking upon the, the scriptures, I'm reflecting upon them, and I will act like them. If I say God is faithful, despite what I see around me, I will speak that out and I will live that out. And what I tend to then find is that faith rises. So I am not looking at the circumstances around myself. I'm not considering the uncertainty of the times in which I live. I am looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So my mind, and we know, don't we, set our affections on things above. Uh, let this mind be in you that was also was in Christ. Um, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed by, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. The scripture is loaded with how we think. And therein is our battleground, I believe, for our faith and for our hope and for our neighbours. The way we think will lead to how we speak, will lead to how we act, and therefore it will spiral into faith going upwards. Let me be more specific. In our time of COVID, these are the things that I believe we are facing. Firstly, we are facing an assault on our minds. Oh, the future looks terrible. We're, we're painting dystopian futures all of the time. We're never going to get out of this circumstance. Our leaders are terrible. We're all going to die. We have to stay in. We are being assaulted in our minds. And it's easy to join in. I would say of all of my Zoom meetings or Teams meetings that I spend on, we always spend at least the first five minutes worrying about what the impact of COVID is going to be. And in our world, don't even start thinking about climate change and Brexit and all of those other things that are sweeping in. We have a choice to join in and allow our minds to be consumed with the fear, the uncertainty, and actually some of the anger that's involved in this subject. Secondly, we're being stripped of our identities. Those of us who are working at home all the time and had our lives wrapped up in our work and going out and about are isolated. We're finding it very, very difficult. Like Daniel and his um, friends, there are new names being spoken over us that don't reflect who we believe we are. And we need to fight vigorously against this stripping of our identities. We can't, we, uh, a shameful moment, but watching Strictly last night, um, and Carolyn Quentin's daughter appeared on the stage where she was practicing and she couldn't touch her because we've stripped the identity of family because we can't hug, we can't touch, we can't reach out. And we're losing something of who we are as a result of this process. And we must fight to recognise our identity is in Jesus. Isolation brings temptation and fear, just like the wine and the food. Nobody would have known. Everybody else was doing it. I'm on my own here. If I don't join in and I don't fit in, maybe I'm afraid. So this, if you like, this trinity of nastiness that is coming our way, our loss of identity, our minds assaulted and we're feeling isolated and tempted could lead to a spiral of our faith going downwards because we think negatively we speak negatively and we act negatively and it spirals us down and, and takes us further away from where god has called us to be at this time however we're almost at the dandelions if we take that the other way and this is where our hope sits if we take every thought captive that's what it says 
in 2 Corinthians, if we start to read the Bible, like I talked about before, about rooting in, in our faith, our actions, our questionable actions come from being rooted in the word of God. Have you read your word of God? Have you spoken it over yourself? Have you brought to mind, like in Lamentations, because the Lord is gracious, he has not abandoned us. Have we struck up and fought for our faith in our own minds? Our identity is in him. 1 John 3 says, see what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's what John says. And we need to remind ourselves and build ourselves up that no matter what the world says about our identity or what we've lost of what we thought was our identity, it is in him. Like Daniel and his friends, their names were rooted in Jesus, in, in God at that time. And lastly, I really want to encourage you on this one. Stay connected. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Let me just turn to it for you. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of each other. We should not lose faith. We should not lose meeting up. We should not lose speaking. Even, you know, the WhatsApp groups and things like that. Keep yourself connected, accountable, so that the isolation and the fear and the temptation are defeated together. Don't listen to the wrong voices. And that is where hope rises. We create then, instead of the downward cycle of faith, we create an upward cycle of faith. Um, and we then lead to us thinking, acting and living more questionable lives. So why a dandelion? OK, you know, that's what you really want to know from me right here at the end. So dandelions are symbols of hope for me for this reason. They have deep roots. OK, they are rooted into that which they believe. And they push up in places that you would not expect them to. In fact, they come up between concrete blocks often and they push against all the opposition and all the things that come against them. And when they stand tall on that route, they produce seeds that float off into the distance and settle somewhere else. Don't you want to be a dandelion in this time of COVID? Don't you want your life to be rooted in Jesus, in faith, in hope, in truth? Don't you want to push up against that which is coming against us? The lies, the despair, the isolation, the lack of identity, all of those things that are weighing us down and yet standing up on our faith against those, we will produce seeds for the kingdom that are tiny, and we'll float off and we'll land and we'll produce new dandelions that we never even saw coming. There is hope. It is only in Jesus.